While Beauty Lab and Laser is a professional licensed medical facility, the hosts of this podcast are not medical professionals, nor do they claim to be. The opinions on this podcast are for entertainment only. Please seek a licensed medical professional for all medical questions. Hi, and welcome to Live Love Lab, the behind-the-scenes podcast from Beauty Lab and Laser. I am one of the hosts of this podcast, Heather. I'm joined by Dre, the other host slash owner. Did you say owner? I didn't say owner, oh, but go ahead. Okay. Well. <laughs> Flex a little. Flex a little. We are the owners of Beauty Lab, and we are joined today by one of our It Factor employees. Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. I'd love to just, just stir it up a little bit. You know me. Um, why don't you introduce yourself, our esteemed guest. Yes. Hi, I am Roxanne Craycroft, a medical assistant here at Beauty Lab in Laser. I'm long time, to be here. yeah, long time friend of the lab. Yes. And so, really quick, I know we like have kind of an agenda, but like Heather, really quick, just tell how you how how Roxy came to be at Beauty Lab because Roxanne is not an esthetician, and so that's why we we say that she has the it factor because yeah. we really only hire estheticians. We have like three that aren't right, and we've hired them because. It, it bypassed the need. It bypassed <laughs> the need for a medical license. You know, they yes. didn't have to, have to have the education or esthetician's license because they were just so beauty lab. And Roxanne uh, was someone that I've known since she was fourteen or fifteen. We've, I think we've, I mean, it was around that, right age. In that range. Yeah. yeah. Her dad is a master hairstylist in Salt Lake City, kind of renowned. And when I first moved here from California, I asked for the very best, and they recommended Roxy Carmichael Salon. And her dad was my hair guy for years. And one day when I was getting my hair done, Roxy came in and she was sweeping hair and like working around the salon. And <laughs> she was just um, unlike any 14 slash 15 year old I'd ever met. You know, she was just beautiful, but like cool and funny and had a very old soul, like kind of an adult persona. And at the time I was doing some fashion photography for a um clothing company out of Colorado and I asked Roxy if she'd be interested in modeling and at first do you remember your reaction when I first asked you about it I don't you're just like no (laughs) like I'm not a model because I mean you were just like young you know you're just like a young girl I mean you looked older than 14 or 15 but you were beautiful and you had never done it before and I was like don't worry about it like it'll be fun I'll walk you through it like I promise it'll be great and she was just like down for it. I mean, I probably put a little bit of pressure on and she's probably trying to please me, please her dad, be a go-getter. But she agreed to do it and she showed up. You remember where we did our first shoot? Was it somewhere just not far, like in Murray, kind of down at a, where was it? The very first shoot we did was at the public library. Oh, it was at the library. Yeah, at I'm Salt Lake like City Public Library. Yes, yes, yes. And was Angela there styling you? Yep. yep. Okay, so Angela, AFP Design was my partner and we she would um, style the outfits I would recruit the models and I would take the pictures and like I'll never forget like I remember we put you in like some shirt and jeans mm-hmm. and set you down with some books yeah and she just connected immediately with the camera she was confident she was beautiful and she had not only just like the basic physical structure that worked well for photography mm-hmm. that she had what I like to call the it factor. <laughs> She had energy, she smized, she had confidence, but she just had an inner strength and beauty that you can't cultivate. It was in her, inherent. And we kept like walking around the side, because we didn't want to like hype her up too much. She was 15, you know, she's young, 15, 16 maybe, I don't even know. And we were like, 
she's got the it factor. Like every shot is usable. Like every shot. We barely had to coach her. We'd tell her one thing and she would just do it. We did probably six or seven outfits. Usually we like kept our girls to two or three. And we just saw that we had found like our workhorse, like yeah. our girl. And she modeled for us for several years, just kind of casually. And then I was unaware of like what was happening for you personally on the flip side of that because yeah. it was just our one directional. Like we just were using her for our company. But she had the effector, and you were amazing. So what did that turn into, Rox? That's a good lead into what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> well, and it's, it's awesome. I actually, not too long ago, found back when you get your like images back on a CD or like a DVD that says back to school shoot that you've given to me after that. It's somewhere at my house. Oh, like, yeah. That's so why funny. we did the library. It was back to school. But you've always been kind of one of my like hype people in my life, which I appreciate. So you made it very easy. But um, I think as we were doing those jobs together and with Angela and as I was realizing it's something I kind of wanted to pursue it was something I kind of made happen on my own I started submitting photos to different agencies online and doing a lot of research and and prior to that point did you ever considered being a model I think it was something in the back of my mind that I thought about but nothing that I really ever thought I could do seriously or ever thought I wanted to pursue and yeah. it was something that you would kind of push me to do a little bit more and even years after that, people were like, how did you get discovered? Or how did you start modeling? I'd always be like, this photographer back in Salt Lake that I love. And it was always like you. I'm like, Heather, she was the one. Um, I had been submitting my photos to a few agencies and had ended up signing on with an agency. It was an elite office that was here in Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, that didn't really end up going anywhere at the time. You know, did a few shoots with them, nothing crazy. Um, that evolved into me switching over to McCarty Agency probably when I was 16 or 17 yeah, during so that time. Yeah, so young, yeah. And then they were doing a lot of, gosh, what were they calling them? Essentially placing models, placements um, in different cities. So I know they were doing a lot of stuff in Asia. That wasn't really my look at that time or ever will be. Um, <laughs> Roxy's like all American, wouldn't you say, totally, her yeah. look, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, they had set up a lot of meetings for me to go out to L.A. and meet with all the top agencies, Ford, Wilhelmina, a um, handful of other ones. And it was an awesome trip. I went out with my dad, met with all the agencies. I remember like leaving and crying and just having these having positive feedback from people like that was just kind of unexpected. I didn't and go into it thinking like, I'm for sure going to sign these gigs. and I'm going to move to L.A. I think I just kind of went in neutral and just yeah. sort of see what happens. Well, you go on a whim and then you're getting positive feedback and it's validating. Like, holy cow, like if I hadn't taken this chance or taken this risk, like I would never know that I was maybe like born to do this. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, I remember getting back from a day full of meetings and my dad and I were at our hotel and my phone rings and um, a couple of the guys from Wilhelmina were like, we want to take you and your dad out to lunch tomorrow and just meet up again and talk further. And I got off the phone just like crying, so Aww. excited. And, um, ended up having a couple of options for agencies out there and ended up signing with um, Wilhelmina. This was probably late 2012. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. crazy. Um, and kind of did a couple of back and forths, ended up moving into a model's apartment in LA. out there in Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills. I mean, okay, what so was that like? That is just I mean, this is this is me. a local Salt Lake City girl sweeping hair. <laughs> <laughs> doing a couple gigs. Were you on the side of the bus at that time for Blue Boutique? Had you done that gig? Yes. Okay. That had happened. So doing some local shops. Wait, just, I don't know about this. Oh, it's like my biggest. Yeah, it's yes. amazing. Because she's just like, you know, like 
I would never say you're a curvy model, but you've got a body, you know, I'm def- and you're I'm not hot. real thin, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, but you were, she was like, yeah, Blue Boutique. She was like I 17. love it. <laughs> I really was 19. Like, oh, you were 19. so <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, that was fun job I kind of through friends um one of my friends moms was dating has dated the owner of Blue Boutique for many years and that was kind of an in that way and it was a good in because you're on the side of a bus like you and Sarah Jessica Parker babe that's it there you you go yeah on the side of a bus it ran for a long time like even a few years later it's still like see it driving by I'm like oh there goes that photo again (laughs) (laughs) and they own it in perpetuity yes I'm always like I'll ever see that pop up. But it's every small girl's dream, a small town girl's dream, not small girl's dream, (laughs) small town girl's dream to fly to LA, to book an agency, and to move into a model's apartment. Like to us, who have never even like had that door even. Well, it's funny because like I'm thinking about the first time that I saw you on a catalog that showed up at my house. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I know. Like, and then, like, I mean, that this is Salt Lake. I mean, totally. No shade on Salt Lake, but like, the it, it, we're a small Lake. market, we're, yeah, yeah. We're little, and like, absolutely, it's not that unusual to see maybe someone that you know or whatever, yeah, on a mailer, like on a catalog or at the mall on a poster or whatever. But like, to move to LA, like, that's a big deal. Well, and my dad was so cute about it. He um, driven me out to go look at the model's apartment for the first time. And I remember we're pulling up, we're driving through Beverly Hills, and he puts on the Weezer song. He's like playing it. <laughs> it just, Beverly Hills. Totally. And it was, that's where I won't. It was I'll interesting. Just sing Weezer for you. So it, <laughs> it's, uh, the model's apartment is, it, it's difficult. Is it less glamorous than it sounds? Absolutely. <clears throat> and any model will tell you that. It is rough. It was a one bedroom apartment with bunk beds. Four girls living in one bedroom, one bathroom, very small space. And it's paid for by the agency? Yes and no. Um, you don't pay it up front. It gets taken out of your checks. Once you start gaining work, then they take money out okay. of your check to pay for So the it's rent. not free. No. But they arrange it, and then you're and you're living with other fellow models. Yes. All same agency? Yes. So you're living with your competition. Exactly. So mm-hmm. less glamorous than you'd think. Because imagine, like, you're a first-timer. Your yeah. dad drops you off with your Ikea furnishings yeah. you know or nothing and yeah. you're living with your competition exactly and it was interesting at the time because the other girls that were moving into the apartment were also brand new to LA came from Iowa Texas other small towns girls that have been recruited from restaurants in their hometowns and then sent out to LA just interesting stories um definitely a lot of different looks so competition in a way yes but also it's hard because so many different looks and you're looking at other women and the stuff that they're getting casted for or castings they're getting sent on and why am I not versus, you know, vice versa. Right. Interesting dynamics. Um, so not everyone had your, not all of them were like green eyed, um, all American girls with like I mean, and blonde hair. One of the girls that I lived with is still um, modeling a lot. She lives in New York now. She has walked for every major name, but she is definitely a very high fashion look, very thin she came out with really long, dark hair, vegan, does a lot of recycled art, just clean, <laughs> okay. that vibe. Yeah. yeah. Um, they ended up chopping all of her hair off, dyeing it bleach blonde, like very, like straight across hair. It just like bangs? It, yes, like pixie cut, but had this like straight across the forehead cut, very just interesting and Angular different look. and like. But again, she has gone on to walk for every major name in every fashion week around the globe so not conventional like what's hot in salt lake city it was like high high fashion but she came out just looking like a girl from iowa just tiny with long dark hair and And just it's cool to kind of see where people go well they changed your look too 
I mean, not dramatically, but quite a bit. Like you got thinner for sure. Your hair went from being like blonde to, to darker. Just, yeah, just natural, natural, kind of brown, straight. Because at that time, they're like, we don't want. I, before I'd gone out there, I was tanning heavily and really liked that tan look. And I remember yeah. getting several emails. You cannot tan anymore. Stop tanning. We want you to look like you came out of the womb. Just natural hair, no eyelash extensions, no tanning. And so that kind of took a little, I think at that time, especially here in Utah, it yeah. just was a very, lots of, you know, hair extensions and eyelash extensions and tans and having to move out of that and realize that's really not what people are looking like. That it seemed, would feel like you're being exposed, like you have to be pretty vulnerable. Totally. And for me, I was at a very thin stage for my body type. And then having to move into an apartment where I really was considered kind of the heavier one in the group. Which is crazy to I me. I mean, shocking. That is crazy yeah. to me. It was yeah. really hard on me. And I was, you know, got a gym membership at Equinox and was working out all the time. And all the girls I lived with, like, not working out, very thin, like, rail thin. And Smoking, it just, doing drugs. Oh, like, yeah. Smoking, yeah, doing drugs, doing whatever it took, but thin to win. Yeah, it definitely was a sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle out there. And I like to go out and have fun, for sure, but... It, I think I had come to realize that it became a very unhealthy environment for mm-hmm. me, just mentally to be around it and to be wanting to get up and go into the gym. And I have girls that are still sleeping in our one bedroom apartment in bunk beds at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon because they've been out until six or seven. Yeah. And are trying to recoup to go out and do the same thing again it was just, it's hard. Yeah. It kind of probably felt dead end and also exhausting, you know? Exhausting and. I don't mean this to sound the wrong way, but I think for me having to learn that like Salt Lake is such a small market and a small industry, and I think I felt like a big fish in a small pond here, and then going out to LA, you're a small fish in the biggest pond of where people go to chase their dreams. You know, everyone is going out there to be an actor, model, be in that range, and to go to a casting that literally has 200 beautiful women all going for the same job, it's hard to identify what makes you stand out and makes you special anymore because you start to feel less and less special by the day. And all of these girls have been hyped up by all of their friends as the it factor and effortlessly beautiful and born to do this. And then you're in a room and there's 200 of them and only one gets the job. Well, and again, it's, you know, you have to book work to get work. And that's in a lot of different industries, but literally having a book of work that is full of what they call tears, something you could literally tear out of a magazine. And I'm there with just my portfolio shots that I got done for free trying to show that I could try to get some work. It's, it's, it's intimidating. You know, it really, really was. But I think a good learning lesson for me overall. So when you left L.A., did you like immediately go back into modeling here in Salt Lake? Yeah. So they're kind of... A time came when I was there when I was really ready to come home and was starting to feel really uncomfortable there and just not happy with myself and not happy with my mental health. And I remember writing my booker here at McCarty and just said, I really want to come home. What are your thoughts about this? And they immediately wrote me back and just said, we support you in whatever you want to do and we Mm -hmm. want you to be happy and feel good. And if that means coming home, then come home. We'll find work for you Mm -hmm. here. And I packed my car that same day. My car packed full. It was Easter weekend and I just started driving home. It was 
like three or four o'clock in LA traffic on Easter weekend. It took oh, me my gosh. like four extra hours to get back to Salt Lake than it did. And I was just driving through the night. My dad was like, stop in St. George and get a room. I'm like, if I am four hours away, I am not stopping in St. <laughs> George. You, I will what drive What were you home. feeling when you packed your car? Like, were you feeling elated, like a sense of relief? Oh, absolutely. I was like, I'm just ready to be home and be with my people and be where I feel good and just kind of get out of this environment that is not doing good feel work safe on my again, mental. Maybe. Totally. Feel safe. Totally. What's something that you think is people don't understand about the strength that models have that are out there doing that day after day after day that we take for like you know for granted? You know, I mean, the stuff that they can nitpick apart is insane. I mean, for one, I think it's easy for models. I think everyone gets caught up in measurements. So you know, bust, waist, hips, and especially hip measurements. I think for a body type like mine that isn't particularly rail thin. It is a very hard measurement to get down and you have your tape measure out every day trying to get that measurement lower and it's it's hard on your brain it really is an emotional too um down to nitpicking things like earlobes and again eyebrows of course have evolved and become a big deal but when they're like work on growing your eyebrows in i'm like okay but this is just how my eyebrows, eyebrows grow are. yeah i put like... as much like babe lash or other types of brow stuff on them but they're not going to like blossom into some full thick brow like there's only so much I can do yeah um and I think having to just accept who you are and own that and find what you love about yourself and what's beautiful is easier said than done when the emphasis is put on how can we dehumanize you really and bring you down to just your assets like your numbers your figures and like things that you have zero control over totally and I think that has started to evolve over the last few years and I think a lot of models would agree I mean when I was living out there, Kate Upton had one of her first covers of Sports Illustrated and, you know, curvy and beautiful and large breasts. And I remember a lot of models, like, taking digs at her for getting that cover and being upset about it because that just wasn't what was getting booked for jobs at the time. Yeah, that so was, was a, a one-off. Bit, mm, totally, totally. Um, but I think now that's changing and you're seeing, you know, and especially in Miami and some different markets, just curvier women with different body types walking runways and getting different types of jobs and different types of body types and looks being represented um, in magazines and in tears and it's exciting and it it's exciting I mean I think there's has been strides made but like overall it's it's still rail thin I mean it's hard to buy designer designer couture that fits a body size over like an eight I mean you know if if you have boobs mm -hmm. you're really it's hard you got to find specific Absolutely. designers. And that's, and that's still that way in high fashion. I mean, New York, Milan, anywhere in a market like that, yes. I think LA, Miami, Australia, Greece, those types of markets, you know, are giving a little bit more leeway. But high fashion is what it is. And that's yeah. not changing. It's not changing right much. You know, there's one-offs and there's like the Ashley Grahams. You totally. Know? But totally. we all know their names. And that's exactly. the problem. Like, cause to- yeah. There are hundreds of thousands of nameless rail thin models that are working every single day. You know, and they don't not know acclaim because yeah. and they're one of the masses. A handful or less of handful. Ashley Grams that you know of. And yeah, yeah, mm. it's crazy. It is. So. We're glad you came back, Rox. I know. It, and you're still high fashion to us. Yeah, well, no, you're, <laughs> you're still you a, a supermodel to us. Tell us. And you are still um, modeling. Yes, yeah. it was. It, I will say it was interesting. You know, came home, was working for Nordstrom, went to Seattle, worked for them and came home back to Salt Lake yet again after Seattle. And that's where things kind of took a turn for me here. And that was maybe only four or five years ago when I really started booking more work and it was getting consistent. And it was interesting because I was probably at more of a size four, six and not older, but I was 
25, yeah, older than you were 18 and a size zero. And I was booking a lot of work here. And I think Salt Lake, you know, we kind of get uh, put into a box of a certain look that you see a lot of. And I think my look is slightly not that different, but it just isn't blonde. The cookie cutter. Totally. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit different. And it's, you've got an, there's an exotic look to your all American girl. You know what I mean? Like the green eyes and the brown hair. And you you come in a little bit different. You come in experienced too. And also it factor. Well, and I, it makes a big difference. And I'll say this, just you have to be somebody that's easy and enjoyable to work with. That's what gets you rebooked. People want to book with somebody that is friendly and engaged and gets along with people on set. And I think that's taken me a long way because I tend to make friends and I make a point to introduce myself and say thank you. And You're not a diva. No. Um, and You could be a diva. You're hot enough to be a diva. <laughs> My <laughs> parents so you know. would slap me. Um, I know. You have have a very, very good work ethic for but sure. It's, you know, the nice thing about Utah is I think if you decide what market you want to become a big fish in, it's a little bit more doable here and it's easy if you work really hard you can make a name for yourself here in whatever industry you want to be in and I think I was lucky to have a little taste in that in modeling and it was great. I think there's a lot of people that would disagree with you though and say Utah's saturated and you are the one percent and you're the elite because it's saturated with beautiful women and and you're working definitely and you so you need to give yourself credit too that like you were able to corner this market in the way that you have but um that's because you're also an L.A. fashion model in a model's apartment, and you chose to come <laughs> here. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you are you are cream of the crop, for sure, physically and modeling-wise, and just work ethic and personality. Totally. I think you're right, though. Like, being an enjoyable person to work with and just easy and, and accountable and responsible, that does. It goes so far. Totally. And, I mean, we know that firsthand because you are one of our employees, and we love – that we've we recruited heavily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds tough, under but under up, whatever terms well, you needed. Show up on time and be accountable and be responsible and communicate and, and be kind. You know, You're kind, rocks. You are kind and you engage and you. I feel like you connect with every single beauty lover that comes in here. Like I would love to come in here and have Roxy be my tech. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I love people. Rox you usually really texts for Reagan. Those of you that um, might not know, and so well, you tech for do you tech for the other? Injectors uh, once too? in a blue moon, but typically um, half my shifts here are teching for Reagan back okay. in the injection room, and then other half I'm up at the front desk. Yeah, so. got it. Well, tell us, little small town newbies, a cool LA model story that we've never we would die to have experienced. <laughs> Do you have one? Um, yes, this is kind of a fun one to share. So, um, my roommate and I, who had just moved in from Texas, had been going out quite a bit together, just trying to. You know, Where would you guys go out? Just like. Drop some names. They're like places that aren't even big anymore, I don't think. But That's um, cool. Bootsy Bellows was kind of the big place back when we were living there. Um, and the other thing, too, is I'm sure this is still a thing, but um, promoters get paid to bring beautiful Models, people okay. to the club. So you literally get taken out to dinner. Dinner is paid for. They bring tons of food to the table. Everyone eats. You have drinks. And then you go immediately to the club afterwards. It's like a dream life. Get a table and bottles are comped and... It's just, it's a party. It's fun. And you're there and you get all of that because you're beautiful and you're a model. Exactly. Okay. So we had a friend who was a promoter who we'd go out with quite a bit. And we were out at this club called Bootsy Bellows one night. And I usually was probably the one that would leave first just because <laughs> get tired. I'm like, I'm ready to go home. So we're at Bootsy Bellows. I'm getting ready to take off. I had driven myself, parked on Sunset. And somebody at our table was like, wait, don't leave. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be coming over to our table soon. You should stay. I'm like, 
okay. I'm like, you know, I don't care if I get a ticket on Sunset Boulevard or if yeah. my car gets towed. I'm going to stay and hang out for just... Leo will pay the yes. tow fee. Leo will pay to <laughs> have the boot removed. To. So end up hanging out. We're all kind of looking around, keeping eyes open. And at some point, you see this guy coming through the crowd and he's wearing that... Is it like a newspaper boy hat? That oh, that kind of little, like, yeah. the Kangle uh-huh. hat? Like, yes. the snap front? So he's wearing that kind of low I, and trying to, like... He's in his Newsies cartoon yes. character mode? <laughs> so they make their way over, and he's, um, you know, with his own crew and with his... Was well, um, his crew hot? Is he the hottest of his crew, or...? Definitely. He's okay. definitely the hottest of his crew, but he was Smart with man. Lucas Haas, one of his best friends, and then just some other randoms. Um, but at some point, Leo starts talking up my roommate from Texas, and then I'm talking to Lucas Haas, and we're having this fun conversation, and they probably have this conversation with models all the time, like, where'd you move here from? How long have yeah. you been here? What do you think of it? And at some point, they'd invited us to this back room where there was more of like a private, it was still large, part of the club, but more yeah. of a private the area. the VIP section more. So we go back there with them, and this is back when like that Mercy song by Jay-Z was huge. So that's like all that was playing back there, and everyone's singing along. And I remember him and I are like across a small cocktail table from each other, mouthing and like singing the words to each other. And I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point, Lucas Haas comes up to me, and he's like, hey, we're all going to go back to Leo's house. Do you guys want to come? And my roommate and my girl are like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So at some point, me and my roommate, Leo and Lucas Haas, leave the club together, the four of us, through a back private entrance down into Lucas's car and like pull out and there's some paparazzi and her and I are just sitting in the back seat, squeezing each other's knees like, like what this is happening. Is happening Whatever they right want us now. to do, we're going to do it. No. <laughs> And again, he just kept playing that same Lamborghini Mercy song over and over in the cars. We're like driving up to his house. It was so funny. But we get up there, huge gate, security outside. Hollywood Hills. We're, okay. Yep. Um, and we go in and he, it, just very interesting home. He has like a fully assembled T-Rex fossil of like a T-Rex head right in the foyer. Oh, like wow. Massive. Um he poured us some really good whiskey. Again, the art was just very interesting, like paintings of dolls in um, like raw meat dresses. Okay. okay. Very interesting. And you're like, I can I see that. I, I it's accessible for me. I know. I'm like, this is this is I'm taking this all in right now. Yeah. Um, we all end up just outside, kind of out on his patio by a fire pit, smoking cigars, hanging out. She was kind of more paired up with Leo and I was more with Lucas, but he ends up, Leo kind of disappears and my friend just, where's Leo? Where's Leo? I end up just kind of ready to go. And this was when Uber had, wasn't Uber yet. Yes. So I remember thinking this was fascinating that they were like getting a car to come pick us up. Because it wasn't like one of their cars. It was obvious that it was more of like a taxi service. But yeah, I remember telling my service, dad, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they have this car just come pick us up. And anyways, we end up leaving together, me and my roommate. They have a driver come mm-hmm. with a car. Okay. He calls the driver, says, wait, we want them to come back. And I was already like literally pulling up at my car at sunset. And I was like, honestly, I'm good. Why don't you go back? So I left. I went home. She went back, stayed the night. Had stories to tell. Yes, absolutely. And I Are you my, the one that got away? And my dad just loves to tell the story that my daughter went home. And she went, like just thinks it's Aww. so funny. She but... got dropped off and she was at work at 6 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> yes. It's very Roxanne. That's just <laughs> very <laughs> Roxanne. Uh, kind of fun Aww. L.A. story. That is a I great L.A. story. I still have goose seeds. I love it. A little disappointed in the ending. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> give me your roommate's name and number so we can hear how it ended up. Oh, she, I'm sure she'd be happy to tell. 
So you were the uh, first one to leave, first one at work the next day, which has not changed. (laughs) (laughs) But in what other ways has life changed for you since you came home from L.A.? Um, So like I said, went to Seattle. Um, I worked for Nordstrom for seven years, worked for them in Seattle, came back here, was still working for them as a personal stylist. Um, Nordstrom was definitely a big part of my life for many years and really enjoyed my time there. Um, But I think I've always kind of been a workaholic. So while I was always modeling on the side here, I think I've always had a few side gigs. I enjoy making money. I enjoy working and being busy. Um, So I was working, you know, in wedding planning with one of my good friends who I love dearly. Um, That's taught me a lot as well. Give her a little shout out. Mara (laughs) over at Fuse Weddings and Events. The absolute best 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 team ever. Um... Gosh, what else was I doing? You worked at Nordstrom. You were still cutting hair. You were oh, still yeah. doing hair. hair. Hi, yes. Still, still modeling. Doing hair. Yeah. Um, and then kind of along that way, shortly after I moved home from Seattle, I'd gotten out of a really bad relationship and was just kind of restarting and finding myself again. I ended up meeting my husband, which was just a funny story. We spoiler, Roxy's married. Yes, married <laughs> to a great man that I love. Um, we actually went to middle school together. And then ended up, you know, reconnecting out one night at a bar with my Nordstrom girls. Miranda, who's an esthetician here, was there that night and kind of just linked I up that way. That it's crazy. Were I know. this moment. It's so, such a fun. I love Miranda to death. Um, but, you know, I think long term, I just started to realize that, you know, modeling will always be something in my life. And I hope that I can continue to book work as time goes on. But what do I want to do long term and what's going to be fruitful and what am I going to enjoy and do well? And so started to dip into real estate recently and you know got my real estate license, which has been great, and got married and starting a family. So second that's... spoiler alert, Roxy is six, seven months pregnant? Six months pregnant. Six months pregnant. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. So little boy um, on the way, due in the end of May. So very excited about that. So and Gemini baby. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of been a journey in itself. I think, you know, any anyone that's trying to conceive or has a baby on the way or has children has probably realized it's a little bit of a different journey than maybe what they expected. You know, I think we all go into it, into it with a little bit of stars in our eyes and having a certain expectation and... Sometimes that goes a little bit differently, and that's okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. marriage is always, we always have expect, expect the unexpected when you get married, and expect the unexpected when you get pregnant, and expect the unexpected when you're a mom. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. theme is the only consistent theme, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's in particular with you and Parker, because tell us about kind of what is happening with your baby. Yeah. So, um, you know, First baby, first pregnancy, I think we were both really excited to find out the gender. So we opted for, I believe what they call non-invasive prenatal testing. It's like a nipped test that a lot of women take. It's a blood test um, so that we could find out the gender early. So you could decorate, come up exactly. with the name. do the gender reveal. Yeah, like have and... the big party with the exploding balloons. It's just so yes, fascinating, the things that... So different than when we were having babies. Yeah, but, it's all, but we're still, I'm still attached to all those little milestones. Like we got to, you know, like... Find the baseball player wallpaper. You know what I mean? Right. Just yeah. all the, yeah. the preconceived notions we have of what it is and mm-hmm. what it means, you know, when mm-hmm. we place it all on the gender. Well, and is... along, I mean, with that test, they do genetic testing. And I knew that going into it. I knew they were going to test for things like Down syndrome and other types of, you know, what you would call genetic abnormalities. 
Um, but I think being a little naive and Parker and I having, you know, pretty normal health history on both sides of our family, I don't think I ever really considered that anything else besides just finding out my baby's gender would come back from this blood test. Um, my sister-in-law is actually my doctor, which I'm very thankful for. She actually called me while I was here working at the lab one day. I noticed that she was calling me from her cell phone, which I thought was a little odd because I just figured her office would be calling me with the yeah. gender results. So when I answered, she said, do you have, do you have a moment to talk? I have some concerning results I want to talk to you about. And so I beelined kind of down the stairs, out the back entrance and down to my car. And she had shared with me that our test results came back with a high chance of Down syndrome. And I think the percentage was like 61% likely, 39% chance that, you know, it could be a false positive. Right. And she kind of worked me, or excuse me, walked me through um, what those next steps would be, whether, you know, do we want to move forward with more invasive testing to get a confirmation on that? Is that something you just want to kind of wait and see when the baby is born and lots of different options. And I respect, you know, families' decisions on how they move forward with that. But I think for Parker and I, we both wanted a confirmation and wanted to know. I was kind of in this place of, you know, thinking, you know, 61% chance, 39% chance false positive. I mean, that's still a pretty decent chance that this could be wrong. So we move forward. Um, with what they would call a CVS. It's similar to an amniocytosis. They go in with a needle and collect tissue in this case and then test that tissue for genetic type things. Um, I actually had to have my CVS done three times because they weren't able to collect enough tissue and it is a really oh, painful procedure. Oh Your trooper. Um, <sighs> it was insane, but great doctor. I'm very thankful for him. Um, so yeah, we ended up getting our test results back and found out that our baby boy does have Down syndrome and actually a rare form of Down syndrome. It's called um, translocation, which means I am the carrier. It comes from a carrier parent. And yeah, it's been one of those journeys where I never thought in a million years I would learn this much about my baby before him being born or learning this much about myself. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm thankful that we know and I'm thankful to learn more about him and just be excited to see what he teaches us, you know, and it's definitely been a process to wrap our heads around, but I have an awesome family and a really awesome husband who's just been essentially kind of excited and gung-ho from the get-go. He's I remember calling him and crying. I'm like, aren't you pissed? Aren't you upset? Why aren't you crying? And he's like, because I just know it's going to be okay. He's, and it's interesting. He shared with me that he's had a feeling since he was a young adult, um, a very strong feeling that he could be a parent to a child like this. And so to him, I don't think it felt like as much of a surprise. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, honestly. But to you, like high fashion model, perfect life, perfect everything, it was like probably nothing you ever thought would come on your radar. Oh, absolutely not. And then having to, you know, figure out when do we share that with our parents and how do we share that with our parents and what does that look like? And our parents have all been very supportive. I think they all handled it in different ways. And I think my dad, not that he took it harder, but I think it took him a little bit more time to kind of wrap his head around. You know, my dad's a very logical thinker, very, you know, just practical. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think he just starts to think about everything besides just 
the baby and what that means for him. What does that mean for Parker and I in our marriage and those types of challenges and yeah. things like that that are going to come up, which I appreciate. And my dad and I have a very open relationship, but there was a day that I went to the salon and saw my dad and he's like, I need to tell you something. I was in the shower last night and I just decided I'm done being confused or upset or feeling sad about it because he's coming and I'm excited and I just love him and it's going to be awesome. Oh, that's and great. We've honestly had really awesome feedback from everyone around us um, and just the support and the love that we felt, not just for us, but for him. Right. And just the genuineness of that has meant more than I could ever explain. And I still realize that there's a ton I don't know <laughs> and a lot to learn, but you're here for it. Exactly. I'm excited to go full throttle and just. Do you remember what you said to me when you told me? Mm mm. You said, um, I talked to Parker, and we feel like this baby chose us because yeah. we can handle it. <laughs> totally. We can do it. And it's like all of these qualities about you that I admire and love and just esteem. You know, to me, it's like you should have everything you want, like a perfect life. And my terms of a perfect life wouldn't necessarily be to raise a baby with Down syndrome. You totally. know, just because that's not the postcard that we know in our, in our minds. And yeah. when you said that to me, it made me realize that all of those factors about you doesn't entitle you to having the quarterback. You know what I mean? As your son, it entitles you to being the perfect person to raise a baby that needs you. And I don't mean to make it all sound like it's been good and we're excited and it's positive. I mean, it is scary. And there are days that it is overwhelming. And the unknown, I think, in pregnancy anyways is scary. And then having this on top of it is it's an added challenge for sure there's no one that would say different it's it's okay to say it's gonna be hard you know the timing of this just here at the lab I think was interesting it was around um honestly the same time that Tim passed and I remember Mm -hmm. Dre reaching out to me um I remember I was at the grocery store and I got a text from Dre and I can't remember exactly what it said but I'd responded and said I think I've just been asking myself so many whys and I don't know that that I'm never going to get an answer to the why and I need to be okay with that Mm -hmm. and I think you had responded something similar like yes I get that like the amount of whys that I have been asking to just the universe and to God and you know I just kind of have to lean into my faith that I know it was for a reason you know and I I do feel like this baby chose us and that we chose him and honestly now we're just at the stage where we're just excited for him to get here and get to meet him and I think a lot of people want to know well how severe is it or what you know, and we won't know until he gets here. All children with Down syndrome we're learning are different and are in different levels and stages and have different, you know. Personalities and challenges and and everything that a a child that doesn't have Down syndrome will have, you know. And it's just stuff that we're going to have to learn along the way and learn together as a family. And we're just leaning into that right now. And he is a lucky baby and we're lucky. We feel like we're lucky to be your friend and to have him in our lives and we're, we're all here for, for it. Here. Well, he has sure. a village supporting him. I was just going to mm-hmm. say, I'm super thankful for my Beauty Lab family, and everyone here means so much to me. I remember, because I kept getting the calls when I was here at work, like the initial <laughs> call, yeah. the confirmation call. You have PTSD at Beauty Lab. <laughs> well, Natalie had just started. I barely knew Natalie at the time, okay. and she had walked back here, and I remember I was sitting, and she was just standing next to me, and I just was holding her leg, and she just wrapped her arms around me, and She's Reagan old. and everyone here, Krista, Bryn, I mean, I can't, everyone here has just been supportive and fantastic, and just, I can feel already love him, and it means... We love him and we love you. And I know this is like a a stupid thing that people will make fun of me for, but I always worry like, 
I want my kids to have friends, you know? Totally. I want them to have friends and support. Yes. And, like, I remember at the baby shower, you're like, he's got four little best friends that are all within a month of his birth, you know? Totally. And and those moms. And that's, that is a community that is irreplaceable you know he's got best friends he's got a posse he's got a squad it's so and true. they will support him and love him yes and um he will support and love them it's the truth and you know and they need each other that's why it's been cool to be here and be surrounded by other moms that are expecting and now babies that are finally coming and yeah. it's just it's been a really cool experience and i'm just thankful to be here because it's made a big difference i think in my energy and my outlook and it's awesome, you know. Beauty Lab boys. Beauty Lab boys. Beauty we have boys. Five, for people that don't know, we've had five of our employees have baby boys within the next. We've had two of the five mm-hmm. be born, and the next three will be born through May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's everything happens for a reason. It's the truth. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I mean, five pregnancies, five boys. I know it's crazy, like, and I'm like, I'll the provide odds? the pool, I'll provide the snacks. You guys come do play dates at my house. I won't be there. You know, for the play dates. you're welcome to go there anytime. <laughs> but I'll yes. provide food and recreation for all of the moms. Oh, we love and that. And Dre will babysit. I will, uh, no, I'm going to put Elsha on yes. babysitting. I'll put like, Ashley, yeah. Ashley, Annabelle. Yes, put Annabelle yes. on babysitting for all oh, of them. The girls Free have babysitting already been for raising life. their hands. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, we've got you. Well, Roxy, thank you so much for joining us and just for being so vulnerable and sharing like just sharing your life no I Thank appreciate you. you giving me an opportunity to do so it, it means a lot it feels good yeah we yeah. love you and your story will inspire so many other people as it already has and um yeah. just love you we love you and we're excited to see you also become an advocate for um parents of kids with special needs because I know that's what's coming down the pipe yeah like, that's, I, that's I know that's what's gonna happen model so. city <laughs> Honestly, I I feel it strongly, and I'm just realizing what an awesome community um, the DS community is here in Salt Lake and in Utah, and we've already just met so many awesome families, so we're just looking forward to being a part of that and advocating for these kids. Yeah, contributing a little bit. It'll be great. It'll be great. Very cool. Well, we love you and Parker so much. Yes. And baby boy. Yes. Baby Baby boy. boy, We won't announce his name here because people will steal it because it's a very good name. It is. It is. Such a cute name. I love it. Yes. It's a very good name. Uh, We'll announce it when he's born and we'll much fanfare. Rox, where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Um, So on social media, I am Roxy Craycroft, which is, you know, R-O-X-Y. And then my last name is C-R-A-C-R-O-F-T. Yeah, everybody give her a follow. I love, you're one of my social media people that I yeah, love. she's good. Yeah, she's I a love good your one. stories. I just love your like posts, to keep it everything. Real. Yeah, so, she keeps it real and she's so good. So easy to look at. Yes, yes. <laughs> easy on the eyes. Yes. All right. Okay, well, I that's think our that, podcast. that's the podcast. Yeah, that's a good one that today. That was a good one. Thank you for being here, Rox, and um, we'll have to have you back again. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, everybody, remember that the lab loves you and life is short. By the lips. Woo!